get ready to speak at the Saturday evening service and then on Sunday morning. And just as I parked, I got a phone call, and it was my wife who had just said goodbye to her dad for the last time. He passed away. And she was in tears, and then I was in tears, and in just an hour I was to be teaching here. And Pastor Eric uh, just jumped in and uh, taught from the platform uh, as I went to be with my wife. And that was such an encouragement to us as we faced the unknown. You've been there. And then yesterday, uh, Eric came down with a severe, severe back pain, as he's prone to do at times, and could not teach. So I taught last night for him, and then again this morning, hopefully returning that encouragement to him. And that's what we're talking about this morning, is encouragement, encouragement in times of fear and worry uh, when there are trials in our lives. I am, for, for a lot of years, I... Would, I still do cycling, but when we lived in the Akron area, I was with a group of guys, and we would meet in the Cuyahoga Valley National Park and ride there, and we would do the hills, and, you know, big guys like me, it's harder for us to go uphill, not as easy as the small guys, and some of these guys were small guys, very athletic, and I'd be halfway up the hill, and they would already have crested the hill. But, you know, some of these guys, they were such athletes and good sports, they would actually circle back, come down, and ride alongside me and just encourage me uh, along the way to help me. Uh, you can do it. Keep going. And uh, I really appreciated that so much. It, it makes me think of cycling sort of as a metaphor for what we go through in life when we're going uphill in life and facing various trials, worries, fears. Um, yeah. And that could be related to health, it could be related to finances, relationships, the unknown, whatever it might be. But there's nothing like it when somebody comes alongside you and gives you a word of encouragement. I have a friend out in the Colorado area, he was just diagnosed with COVID. Now that makes me afraid, getting COVID. And uh, over the last years, he's been meeting with about 10 other guys just talking through life issues and praying and reading scripture together, and they found out that he has COVID. Well, who doesn't need a word of encouragement? So I saw the picture on Facebook. They sent a picture of all a selfie of them all holding pictures of my friend Doyle and sent it to him. Just a word of encouragement. We all need that, don't we? Years ago, um, I heard a great message given on encouragement, and this is how I've always remembered it. To encourage someone means to inject courage. Isn't that good? To inject courage. When we look at Scripture, especially the book of Proverbs, which tells us what a wise person does, what a wise community does, these are some of the words from Proverbs. Worry weighs a person down. An encouraging word cheers a person up. Injecting courage helps a person along. If we were to uh, turn this message into a big idea. It might look like this. Fear and worry will weigh us down, but encouragement, injecting courage, will help us stand and move forward. You know, fear and worry can be crippling to any of us, can it? But a good word of encouragement can help us stand up and move forward. And most of us in this room love a good word of encouragement, but that's not what this message is about. It's not about receiving encouragement. We're talking about how do we give encouragement. 
And so to, uh, to move that way, we're going to look at a couple of examples, one from the Old Testament and one from the New Testament. I happen to be reading through some of the Old Testament now. Specifically, I'm in the book of Deuteronomy. Maybe you've read there before. But as you start into Deuteronomy, chapter 1, right out of the gate, God reminds Moses that he will not be the one taking the Israelites into the promised land. Rather, it's going to be Moses' uh, key lieutenant, protege, disciple, who is this guy named Joshua. And in chapter 1, this is what it says. Instead, your assistant Joshua, son of Nun, which always used to throw me. Uh, Joshua did have parents, even though it says he's the son of Nun. Isn't that a stupid joke? Okay, instead, your assistant Joshua, son of Nun, will lead the people into the land. Encourage him, for he will lead Israel as they take possession of it. Encourage him. And then in chapter 3, again, instead, commission Joshua and encourage and strengthen him. Everybody needs a word of encouragement. But why would Joshua need this encouragement? Well, think about this. Moses has led this group of Israelites for 40 years through the desert since leaving Egypt. And now Joshua is to lead, what is it, 2 to 3 million people into the promised land where nobody there is going to be their friend. These people are reported to be bigger than everybody else. Their cities are heavily fortified. They're not there to be your friend. They're there to be your enemy. Imagine Joshua trying to fill the shoes of Moses, who was called by God himself the most humble man on earth, making him the greatest leader on earth. And so Moses, near the end of Deuteronomy, there's 34 chapters. In chapter 31, this is what happens. Then Moses called for Joshua, and as all Israel watched, he said to him, Be strong and courageous, for you will lead these people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors he would give them. You are the one who will divide it among them as their grants of land. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. Now notice, in those words of Moses to Joshua. It wasn't like, come on, you can do it, you can do it. Rather, we read a couple of things that are key in these words from Moses to Joshua, words of encouragement. Moses encouraged Joshua to have faith in God, not in himself. We don't know for sure if Moses thought Joshua had the right stuff. But Moses had confidence in God's ability to be there for Joshua and that God was in this plan. So Joshua, stay close to the Lord because he's the one calling you. And Moses encouraged Joshua with a sense of hope. Did you read that word? Those words at the very end. God will not abandon you. He is with you. So, so when it comes time to encouraging someone, you know, it is important, more than you can do it, keep going, is to turn their attention to God, to help a person have their confidence in God, that God is in this, even though this is so hard, and even though you may be fearful, and even though you may be afraid, and even though you may be worried, God is in this. God has a plan. And God will not abandon you. It makes me think of those words of Jesus. We talked about it last week. Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's the promise that we have. Those are the words of encouragement we can give someone as we inject courage into someone. That's important. 
Now, if you want to know the rest of the story, just go read the book of Joshua, and you will see that Joshua did, in fact, trust in God. His hope was in God. It's a great book. Now, it's one thing to encourage somebody, but it's another thing to be known as an encourager. And I wonder, would someone say that you are an encourager? I'd like us to dip into the New Testament for a moment and look at a person by the name of Joseph. He's not very well known. It's in the book of Acts. He's not very well known. And he, he was, a, he was a, 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 a Levite. He was from the, the, the island of Cyprus. And in the early stages of the church, he, he sold a field. And he brought the proceeds of the field and placed them at the feet of the apostles, the leaders of the church, so they could use it to give to those who were in need. We read Joseph's name for the first time in Acts chapter 4. This is how it goes. For instance, there was Joseph, the one the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. Maybe you know the name Barnabas. That's how he's known for the rest of the book of Acts. We read his name a number of times. If encouragement had a son, his name would be Barnabas. And Barnabas... In, in multiple ways, encourages different people. For example, uh, there's the story of Barnabas encouraging Paul. Do you know the story of Paul? I mean, he was originally known as Saul. That was his Hebrew name. Paul was his Greek name. But, but Paul was a persecutor of Christians. He hated Christians. Uh, at the end of Acts chapter 7, we read how he was standing there watching, approving the, the, the persecution, the death of Stephen. He hunted down Christians, had them thrown in jail, had them killed. So people were naturally were very afraid of Paul. But Paul becomes a Christ follower, and Barnabas comes alongside Paul to encourage him. But the apostles don't want anything to do with Paul because they're afraid of Paul, rightly so. So Barnabas steps in and encourages the apostles to, to, to uh, get to know Paul. So Barnabas has a hand in bringing Barnabas, or Barnabas has a hand in bringing the apostles and Paul together so they can stand up and move forward together in ministry. Later on in Acts chapter 15, we see Barnabas at work again. He encourages a guy by the name of John Mark who goes on to write the Gospel of Mark. Now, now John Mark, uh, we read about him earlier, he was a traveling companion with the apostle Paul. Once Paul started his ministry, John Mark came along, but they had a falling out. And Paul was not very happy with John Mark, kind of wrote him off. But later, somewhere along the line, Barnabas comes alongside John Mark and becomes sort of his mentor, it would seem, and encourages him and, and helps bring him along in his spiritual life, where later on, somehow, John Mark and Paul reunite because of now John Mark's uh, uh, maturity, and if you'll read in the, in the letter of Colossians or in Paul's second letter to Timothy, 2 Timothy, you'll read Paul speaking highly of John Mark. Why would that be? It's because Barnabas had a hand in encouraging John Mark, encouraging Paul, bringing them back together. What can we say about these two stories from Barnabas, the encourager? His encouragement changed the course of of some people's lives. And that is exactly what happens when we inject courage into people's lives. Barnabas was an encourager. 
I want to ask you a question, a pastoral question. You may be really good at receiving encouragement, I am, but how are you doing at encouraging others? Because there are likely people in your circles, people in your relational networks, in your neighborhood, your next-door neighbor, someone in your family, a coworker, who right now is going uphill, who right now is someone sinking because of fear, they're afraid, they're worried. Something is weighing them down. And what they need is someone to inject courage into them. And we need to take it seriously because this is what Scripture tells us. This is what a wise person does. Worry weighs a person down. An encouraging word cheers a person up. So, let me close with this question. What are some ways we can encourage others? A better question is, what can we do to become known as a person who is an encourager? Uh, three things. Uh, the first one, desire the gift of encouragement. In Scripture, we're told that encouragement actually is a spiritual gift. It's something God's Spirit gives to us. It's Another word for it is exhortation. We're to desire that, want that in our lives. Now, you may not be naturally an encourager. Some people are. I know some people who are just naturally an encourager. But just because someone's gifted in it doesn't mean that we're exempt from it. We should want that too. We should want to be an encourager. In the church, uh, some churches use called spiritual gift inventories. It helps you to understand how God has gifted you in natural ways. Um, for example, I took a spiritual gift inventory years ago, and it showed that I am natural in terms of teaching or evangelism, sharing the gospel of Christ. If you go from zero to 10, I'm probably a nine or 10 in those areas. But in mercy, I remember is years ago, I measured as a zero. That, that's pretty bad for a pastor to score zero in mercy and compassion. Now, over the years, I've grown. <laughs> I've developed because I desire to become more merciful and compassionate because that's the way God is toward me. We should desire to be an encourager. But next, I think it's important that we ask for opportunities to encourage. Uh, let me give you a, a guarantee, I guess. I'll put it in writing for you. You ask for opportunities to encourage this week, and you will find opportunities to encourage. Everybody needs encouragement, especially in these crazy times of COVID and racial tension, along with whatever else is naturally happening in our lives whether it's finances, a job, relationships, the unknown, whatever it is, ask for opportunities this week, and I know God is going to give you opportunities that way. And then thirdly, is just simply follow through and encourage others. S several weeks ago, we had a unique opportunity here at the chapel in one of the rooms across the lobby. I had the privilege of interviewing a couple guys in front of our chapel staff, one of the guys was, is one of the leading black pastors in Sandusky, and at some, his name is Curtis Johnson. At some point, you're going to get to hear him. He has some very profound, important things to hear. But the other guy was the police chief of Sandusky, John Orzek. He also had some incredible things to say. It was really good to hear them together. But at one point, uh, one of our staff members asked Chief Orzek, what 
what is a way we can come alongside the police and encourage you? And Chief Orzek said, I'll tell you a simple way. Do a ride along with us. Do a citizen ride along with us. Come in the car with us some weekend evening and see what it's like to be a policeman. I may look really tired to you right now because last night I got to bed at 1 o'clock after doing a night-long ride-along with the police. It was so fascinating being in the police car, uh, going down the different roads of Sandusky. I want to tell you, I mean, I got in the car and I offered him my nunchuck skills. (laughs) I offered him my ability with a BB gun. I mean, I was ready. I had a cookie tin inside my shirt. didn't need any of that. You know what they need is encouragement. It was just enough to be there, to listen to him, to hear what it's like to be a a policeman, to be dressed in blue at times like this. Now, that may be extreme for you, although they're looking for anybody to do a ride-along. It was really fascinating. But that might be too extreme. Just look this week for somebody who could use a note who could use a word, a phone call, somebody to come alongside them, a gift, whatever it might be, a word of encouragement. Are you an encourager? Or do you just want to be encouraged? We all need to be injected with courage as we're going uphill. We all need to inject courage in others as they are facing the same. Let's pray together. God, thank you, um, first of all, for the ultimate encouragement that comes through Jesus himself, that you would send us Christ to die on the cross for our sins, that we could come into a relationship with you that gives me incredible courage, that you, by your spirit, live within me, live within any true believer, and God, you will never leave us nor forsake us. That in itself is encouraging. But God, would you please lead each of us in this room to those who are worried and weighed down in life right now. Give us the hearts and wisdom to cheer them up, to point them to you, to remind them of the great hope that we have in you alone, to direct them to you as you lead us through life. Thank you. Thank you for your great love toward us, expressed through Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.